from the studios of Adventist World Radio in Pune. Hello and a very warm welcome to our international English service. In our program today, we bring inspiring music and interesting nature study. With more music coming in, we shall end our program with a message from God's Word. This is your host Sharad and I am Maureen and you are listening to Adventist World Radio, The Voice of Hope. Let's begin our program with a song.
know more on God's word you could also write to us here's our mailing address Adventist World Radio Post Box number 17 Pune 411001 Maharashtra India You could also email us on adventistmediacenter@gmail.com You may also follow our programs on our website awr.org/englishprogram Before you hear God's word, here's another song. When I said that I love Jesus, what does it really mean to me? When I said that I will follow, can the other people see? Time to hear God's word. Good day to all of you. Today I'm going to address a theme just scratching the surface. And we will be talking about a type of love which God shows us, which God has for us. It's only a one-sided love. You know Ellen White in Gospel Workers page 376 writes The warfare against self is the greatest battle that was ever fought the yielding of self surrendering all to the will of God and being clothed with humility possessing that love that is pure peaceable and easy to be entreated full of gentleness and good fruits 
is not an easy attainment. The soul must submit to God before it can be renewed in knowledge and true holiness. You know, there was never a king like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. He was urged on to do things by his wife Jezebel. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. This we can read in 1 Kings 21, 25 and 26. Naturally, of a covetous disposition, Ahab strengthened and sustained in wrongdoing by Jezebel had followed the dictates of his evil heart until he was fully controlled by the spirit of selfishness. He could brook no refusal of his wishes. The things he desired, he felt should by right be his. He took it. This we read in Prophets and Kings, page 204. Later on in Prophets and Kings, page 216, Sister White writes, a reformation followed. Those who took part in acclaiming Joash king had solemnly covenanted that they should be the Lord's people. And now that the evil influence of the daughter of Jezebel had been removed from the kingdom of Judah, the city was quiet. We also read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verses 16 and 21. Another story of Ahab and Jezebel offers a buffet of topics to discuss. You can pick up any one item and you can, uh, you know, really speak about it and you can discuss about it. Evil, selfishness, judgment, idolatry, spiritualism, values, compromise. These are just a few of the themes we could emphasize in this story. Still, today, the name Jezebel is synonymous with evil. You know, you hardly find anyone calling their daughter by the name Jezebel. Her name means not exalted or impure. There are certainly many women in our culture today, and men for that matter, who exert the same kind of evil influence as Jezebel did. A point of application that Ellen White brings out in this chapter connects to idolatry. She writes, The spirit of idolatry is rife with the world today. Every day adds its sorrowful evidence that faith in the sure word of prophecy is decreasing and that in its stead, superstition and satanic witchery are captivating the minds of many. This we find in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 210. Another natural theme that emerges from this story has to do with perils of selfishness. Ellen White points out that Ahab was fully controlled by the spirit of selfishness. This we find in page 204. In a positive twist, the antidote to selfishness is the calling to serve. You know, when you go out and serve people, 
automatically selfishness goes out from you. You know, here's an illustration I'd like you to just uh, pay attention to. An employer put the following scenario to potential employees as part of the interview process. Assuming you were applying for the job, how would you respond in this situation? Now, here's the situation. You're driving along in your car on a wild, stormy night. You pass by a bus stop and you see three people standing and waiting for the bus over there. First one, an old woman who looks as if she's about to die. Second one, your best friend who once saved your life. And third one, a famous person you really admire and have wished you could meet one day. Now, the twix to this question is, there can be only one passenger in your car and you can't return to the bus stop once you have left it. To whom will you offer a ride? You could make a compelling argument for any one of the three. You could pick up the old woman because she's going to die and thus you should save her first. Or you could take your best friend because he or she once saved your life. And this would be a perfect chance to pay him or her back. However, you may never be able to find that famous person you dreamed of. You'd never ever feel that you could meet that person again another day. So how rare is it to find a famous person on a street? So why miss out on this opportunity of a lifetime? <laughs> you must be really pondering over what answer would you give? Would you like to hear the correct answer? There were 200 applicants for this job. Only one wrote the answer that the employer was looking for. The candidate who was hired had no trouble coming up with this answer. He said, I would give the car keys to my old friend and let him take the old woman to the hospital and I would stay behind and wait for the bus and talk with this famous person I had always wanted to meet. <laughs> Did any one of you come up with the same answer? You know, sometimes our solutions to dilemmas and to problems we face in life are not as creative as the applicant's answer. Too often, we cater first to our own interest and show little concern to how decisions might affect others. And yet, when we think outside the box and put others first, the result is often a win-win solution for everyone. Thinking selflessly is the key. You know, how would you react in situations? You know, in, I have three illustrations here taken from the scriptures and I want you to notice the difference of how God expects us to react. Naboth's refusal of Ahab's request. That's the first one. It is interesting to note Naboth's vehement refusal 
of Ahab's request to purchase his vineyard. You can sense his horror as he responds to Ahab. In 1 Kings 21.3, he says, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. You know, no man could ultimately sell any part of the parental inheritance. It might be sold or mortgaged until the year of Jubilee. But at that time, it would revert to its original owner. This is what the scriptures tell us. If it had not been redeemed before that. We read about this in Leviticus chapter 25, 14 through 17 and 25 through 28. You know, Adam Clark in his commentary explains, Ahab most evidently wished him to alienate it finally. And this is what God's law had expressly forbidden. Therefore, he could not, consistently with his duty to God, indulge Ahab. And it was high iniquity in Ahab to tempt him to do it. And to covet it showed the depravity of Ahab's soul. Is God any less disturbed by the insatiable greed and materialism that seems so prevalent today? Why do you think God does not seem to act as resolutely today against greedy individuals as he did in the case of Ahab? How do you explain Naboth's fate? After all, he was simply defending his God-given rights and yet he was stoned to death. Here's the second condition, the curse against Ahab. Elijah's no-nonsense curse against Ahab, which we read in 1 Kings 21, verses 21 through 24, is identical to the curse uttered against Jeroboam and against Baasha. However, that Ahab humbled himself before God. As a result, God expressed plain to Elijah that because Ahab has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his house in the days of his son. You know, even a feeble act of repentance, as in the case of Ahab, it moves God to mercy. What does this picture of grace in a most unlikely story teach us about God? Had Jezebel repented of her wrongdoings, do you think God would have responded in the same way towards her? <laughs> Good question. If it is why or why not, you can answer it for yourself. The third situation, God's displeasure with Ahaziah. Ellen White offers this commentary on Ahaziah's sin. She says, God had cause for displeasure at Ahaziah's impiety. What had he not done to win the hearts of the people of Israel and to inspire them with confidence in himself? He had been a very present help to all who sought him in sincerity. Yet now, the king of Israel, turning from God to ask help of the worst enemy of his people, proclaimed to the heathen that he had more confidence in their idols than in God of heaven. In the same manner do men and women dishonor him when they turn from the source of strength and wisdom 
to ask help or counsel from the powers of darkness. If God's wrath was kindled by Isaiah's act, how does he regard those who, having still greater light, choose to follow a similar course? Prophets and Kings, pages 211 and 212. A little boy sat on the floor of the church nursery with a red rubber ball in each arm and three Nerf balls clenched on the floor between his pudgy little knees. He was trying to protect all five from the children in the nursery. The problem was he could not hold all five at once and the ball nearest to his feet was most possible to be stolen. So whenever another child showed any interest in playing with one of the balls, he snarled to make it clear these toys were not for sharing. For about five minutes, this little guy growled, postured and kept the other children away from the balls. Like a hyena hunched over the last scraps of a carcass, this snarling little canine was not in the mood for sharing. The other kids circle like vultures around the kill, looking for a way to jump in and snatch the ball without being attacked or bitten. I honestly did not know whether to laugh or to cry as I watched this scene. Then it struck me. This little boy was not having any fun at all. There was no cheer within 10 yards of this kid. Not only was he unhappy, but all the other kids seemed sad as well. His selfishness created a black hole that sucked all of the joy out of that nursery. Ellen White, in Our Father Cares, in page 310, writes, Following Christ's example of unselfish service, Trusting like little children in his merits and obeying his commands, we shall receive the approval of God. She continues in Christ Object Lessons, page 359, saying, However lowly any work done for God with a full surrender of self is as acceptable to him as the highest service. No offering is small that is given with true-heartedness and gladness of soul. May the Lord help each one of us today to come out of our selfish mode and look out there are many people who need our help. Let's become selfless in sharing the things which God has given us. Let's bow eyes for prayer. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for giving us so much much more than what we expect, much more than what we can use. So we ask the dear God to bless us with this lovely virtue of sharing things. Help us so that we become selfless, so that we can share the things which we have, which you have given to us with others. And above all, share your love with others. Thank you for listening to my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The Holy Scriptures says... Your world is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Psalms 119 verse 105.
Indeed, my dear listener, what a treasure we have in God's Word. The Holy Bible is relevant to today's issues and gives solid guidance for daily living. With this, we have almost come to the end of our program. To learn more on God's Word, we would love to receive your letters on Adventist World Radio, Post Box Number 17, Pune 411-001, Maharashtra, India. You could also email us on Adventist Media Center at gmail.com. We invite you to follow our programs also on our website. That's awr.org slash English program. This is your host Sharad. And I'm Maureen signing off from Adventist World Radio. Do join us again along with your family and friends. Until we meet again via radio, we wish you goodbye. And God bless you.